0: Have you ever awoken to find yourself no longer in the safety of your bed, but somewhere far away from home? You're on that journey now swept along by the river you would let yourself be taken in that initial rush that flow those ideas those wonderful wonderful movements that choice to cross the threshold that starting out you have done something now because it's the only difference between those who don't do something and those who do do something and how the waters took you oh gosh did they take you Home is far behind and the river has kind of dumped you somewhere in the wilderness and you wake to find that it's dark all around you and nothing looks familiar. The stars here even seem different and you panic because the sky is so vast and you are so small. Because that unfamiliar tune has led you to this place where there is unfamiliar trees and unfamiliar sounds and unfamiliar bugs and the joy as you let yourself float down that river, as you began that journey, that joy seems pretty darn ridiculous right now in this dark. You get your pack off your back and there must have been a hole in it when you floated down that river somewhere. Everything you did pack is now either soggy or ruined or just gone. Floated away through the hole in the pack, you gasp for your chocolate is now just a mushy mass of and you weep for your compass seems to have totally disappeared, swept off into the river, and then then you realise not even your coffee beans have survived. No! And this is like the last straw, man. This journey already feels like the wet blanket that lays soggy in the bottom of your park. It didn't take long for that romantic notion to just, well, wash away down the river. And you realise that this world is really dark and that there's those scary sounds around you. You just, I mean, you feel like an alien here. In a strange land, you feel like an imposter. That decision you made to start this thing to leave home, it seems so foolish now as you slowly step down what you think might be a path by the light of this torch and it might take you somewhere and maybe there it'll be warmer than by this wet cold river, uncertain of where you are or which way to go like you had an idea, you even stepped out over the threshold and now it just feels so overwhelming, where the heck do you even go from here, now you've left the safety of the comfortable life how do you start this journey now you have begun it's all too much so you moan and you groan and you wonder why you left in the first place a few metres by a few metres, a few feet, a few feet, the light barely shines upon the path, you make your way slowly, grumpily, you stop and think maybe I'll just find the river and walk back upstream till I come home again, but I'll forget this even happened, you are kind of about to turn around when a sound stops you. Somewhere down the path ahead, a song wafting through the breeze. It's that unfamiliar tune, but this singer seems to know some words for it. Words are sung through the forest, down through the trees. Who'd be singing this song out here in the dark? You make your way forward slowly, around a bend, another, another, until you see a stranger sitting by a fire. Stranger, You move toward her. There's something about her, but you don't know what. What you do know is she kind of looks a little bit like you, but definitely years older. And as you approach her, she looks up and she welcomes you and asks you, what are you doing? And you tell her you've only just left on this journey, but it all seems pretty silly right now because you're not even sure where you're going. And she listens to you and she smiles and she nods and you tell her that to make matters worse all your gear is now wet your compass is gone your coffee's even missing you're not not even your bloody torch is working anymore it only shows what's like a few feet in front of you and you you just tell her you think you'll just go back upriver and head back home and forget all about it and that she well she thankfully holds out a brew a a cup of coffee that tastes better than you've ever tasted you sit by the fire and you get out your cold, wet things and you warm them and she starts to tell you some of her own story about that time she left her town and the, the details are different, but it sounds all so familiar to your own in some way and the night continues on and it's late and it's storytelling and, and then it's time for sleeping. And as you drift off, she, she says quietly, You know, your torch, it may only light up the nearest distance from you. That's true. But did you realize that you can make the whole journey that way? And with those words in your ears, you fall asleep until morning. When you wake, she is gone. But there is a gift on the end of your bed, it is a compass a new compass to replace the one you lost. And there's a note which reads, friend, Southeast is a good direction from here. Why don't you start heading that way? And so this new day, you set out Upon the path, a direction in mind, the story of this stranger, now friend, singing in your heart. You whistle the unfamiliar tune that now is so beautifully familiar. You even sing a word or two that you heard your stranger friend say. Your pack is dry now. The sun is shining, the breeze is blowing, and your heart is full. Welcome to the Deep Place on creativity and spirituality. Friends, you are listening to season three of the Deep Place podcast, and in this season, we are going on a journey the creative journey. My name's Joel McCarrow, and I'll be somewhat of a guide through the strange and wild lands that make up our creative worlds. So would you take my hand, shake the dust, pick up your packs, and let's go. The Deep Place podcast was recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, a land that was stolen. As a podcast, we pay our respects to the traditional custodians and storytellers of this land. And we thank Aunty Di Kerr for her blessing to tell stories and poetry on this land. All right, episode six of season three of the Deep Place podcast. Last week, we were chatting with Mr. Stephen Roach. What a beautiful man. I love that... Like I love that on the creative journey, we get to meet all these amazing people. And, and we got to meet Grace Naum, we got to meet Stephen Roach, we're going to meet a whole lot more characters as we go on this journey together. Um, as as we begin today, um, I am super excited about the School for Creative Development, um, which is my own thing. Uh, so if you love the Deep Place podcast, and you've been listening for a long time, and you're like, this is some great stuff that's helped me on my journey. One of the, I wanted. to to kind of take that a step further for people and have created a an online community, the School for Creative Development, um, where you can study four different modules, which are made up of uh, all the different courses that I've run over the last few years come together under one thing, the School for Creative Development. It has like over 50 hours of video and audio content it's it's you'll get instant access to the online modules weekly kind of creative prompts and ideas um to you we're going to have zoom gatherings monthly zoom gatherings there's a learning cohort that you can join to to be going on this and doing this together all of this is like taking all the the creative content that i've gleaned over the many years that i've been doing this stuff um and i bring it into the podcast yes but even even more so um, i want to help you work out how to bring it into your own creative practice and the school for creative development is where you can do that so go and have a look at school for or joel if you want to take uh, this learning from the deep place podcast and run with it further Friends, we are on the journey. Can you even believe that? We have left home. We have crossed the threshold. We're on the journey, the beginning of living out of this new way of being that you're feeling called to. We're at the beginning of new projects, the beginning of new things. It is exciting. Well, it was exciting. It always starts off exciting. I love the initial creative flow when you first step out and you have that that idea and you start mapping it out a little bit, getting a little bit excited. And then like, just just real quickly, those exciting things, this exciting journey, like this happens and this happens and this happens and pretty quickly, you kind of get dumped (laughs) by the river in the dark and you feel like you can't see a thing. Um, (laughs) And sometimes the beginning after the threshold, uh, yes, sometimes the beginning is wonderful. And and sometimes it is dark and it's wet or it's a combination of both. Uh, Most of the time, you truly just don't even know which direction you're heading in. Like I was running a workshop just the other night and a student said, like, I've got my character, I've got the idea of a character, but but that's it. Like, that's all I have. Where the heck do I go from here? That's, that's the phrase, isn't it? That's like, that's something that I hear so often at the beginning of the creative journey, either the creative journey of, of a small individual project or the creative journey of your creative practice in general. Where the heck do I go from here? How do I know where to go? when I don't even know what this story is going to be yet? The story of my creative practice or the story that you might be writing or the, the whatever it might be that you're creating. How do I write it if I don't know what it is yet? That is where we're going today. So when this, uh, when this student said, where the heck do I go with this? Like, I've got my character, I don't know where to go. Um, here's what we told her. Here's what we told her. We said to her what the guide in the story at the top of the podcast said, which is actually taken from uh, a, quite a famous quote by E.L. Doctorow, who said, writing a novel is like driving a car at night. You can see only as far as your headlights, but you can make the whole trip that way. So when you're in the dark and the night has come on your creative thing that you're doing or your creative practice, you don't know where you're heading. It's the very beginning of things. It's the very beginning of things and you don't have, it's not all locked down. In fact, none of it's kind of locked down. Don't fear just begin the journey. And as you begin the journey, you might only see just that few meters, a few feet for you uh, Americans, a few meters in front of you. You might only see just a small part in front of you, but you walk that way and then the light has lit up the next part and you walk that much and you go to the next part and you walk that much and you go to the next part. You are not going to know where, you're, where this is heading, you're not going to know where this is heading, not at the beginning, but I mean, whether you are someone who, um, who does kind of plan everything out, uh, and then starts to flesh out all the details and work in that way, or whether you're someone who is just like not got a character, I'm just going to chase after them and see what happens and have no plans either way at this beginning point. You are starting fresh with a blank piece of paper. It's what I call the foreboding blankness of an empty. Page, and so many things stop us at this point. So many things stop us at this point. What I here's what I always say uh, to to any workshop that I ever do, and I want to tell it to you now. And you would have heard it in like first season or something, because I always say this because it's so true. The secret to writing good poetry is allowing yourself to write crap poetry. How we begin this thing is we just begin and we don't judge it, we just Start both like creative project wise, but also our creative practice. You're not going to know where you're heading. You're not going to know what is going to become of, of these different things that you're beginning to do, where it might head, what it might lead you to. And that is okay. That is so okay. The point is that you're beginning, allow yourself to be Crap, dare to suck, dare to suck at this. And in the daring to suck at your creativity, you're going to find your way. You're going to find your way. You might have a notion of where you're headed. You might have, as we gained the knowledge of that at the initial intro, you might have a compass direction. Like that was the knowledge that we got from, again, from that guide in that intro. Head southeast, it might be a good direction so we've got this direction and you know what friends that's kind of that's kind of all we need for now and the direction might come from outside of you from someone saying what if you looked at this what if you did this or perhaps it will come from listening to the inside voice that says what if we had in this direction what if we tried this and did a little bit of this and started to do that. You may have a way to head, but that might be absolutely it, just a direction. And that is okay. Start writing regardless. You start creating regardless, whatever your creativity. And guess what? As you create, then inspiration will come to you in the very act of doing the stuff. Inspiration is not going to come to you when you're sitting around waiting for it. It will come when you intentionally search it out, when you get out that torch, and though you can only see a few feet in front of you, you walk, you walk that distance and you keep walking, you keep searching it out, searching it out, stop waiting for inspiration to come and chase after it, keeping your eyes open to the world around you as you begin to start the whatever creative process that you're doing we get inspired from all these things around us and also in just in the starting of our writing just start stop thinking about it and start sometimes when I start to write on that blank piece of paper when I'm starting to write a poem here's what I write do you want know to I write I write I am starting to write a poem now <laughs> And then I just continue writing. Like I literally write those words and I continue and a poem comes out of it. But if I sit there thinking, what am I going to write? What's a good poem that I could write today? I'm going to get nowhere. So very first thing, never, I mean, you can work in whatever the heck way you want. But one thing that has been truly important for me is just to start even when I don't know anything. Even when I have to write, I'm starting to write a poem now and I have no idea what this poem is about. I often have no idea what things are about. Like I seem to just sit in this place of not knowing, not knowing. There's my poem. I can start writing about not knowing. As simple as that, start writing, start, put something on the paper, put something on the canvas, do something, I, I, I see what happens once you get something down. One idea, it's all you need. One flash of the torch in front of you, you see that little distance and you capture that. You write it, or you take the photo of it, or you 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 start shaping this little idea of a character, or this little idea of a plot, or this little idea of a world that you want to build, um, or this little whatever it might be, this little one little movement. If you're a dance choreographer, you just have this little movement, so you capture it, or you have this this tiny little phrase melody come to you and you capture it, you write it down, you do an initial sketch or whatever it might be. And then you move forward and you get a little more of the view of this thing. A little more of the view of this thing starts coming into clarity and you take those steps and you see a little bit more and you take those steps and you see a little bit more and you can make the whole journey that way. So when I start, like I, when I start a new project, I'll have a direction that it's about. But that might be it, like that's it. Maybe then about, I don't know, like a quarter of the way into it, 25% of the way into this creative project, it starts getting some more overall directional clarity about it of where maybe this poem that I've started to, this idea of this poem that I'm crafting goes to, or this novel that I'm writing, whatever it might be, 25% in, I start working out a things are starting to come together. About 50% of the way through, I'm getting a pretty clear idea now of where this is heading. I'm getting a clear idea. I can kind of see. It might be a little bit blurry, but I can kind of see that end point as I come to about the 75% mark of a first draft or whatever it might be. I, I, I tend to have it fairly nailed down by that point of where I'm heading with it, of what the what the how this thing is going to end. I, I might not know the exact ending, but I know kind of I know the. I know the change that I want to see my protagonist, or I know, I know what that's kind of going to look like, um, at about 75%, but that's, that's three quarters of the way in before I know what the ending is going to be. And again, you might be, you might be different. You might start off and the way you start off, like I was chatting with, um, interviewing Amy Kaufman, a beautiful YA writer just last night. Uh, she she writes stunning YA novels in Australia here, uh, is a New York Times bestseller, etc, etc. Um, and, and she's different. She starts off and she will plan out her whole story. That's her start. She She'll spend a few months planning the story out and get it all down and then start kind of filling it all in. Um, And so she works a little differently. The other thing I loved about what she does. um, So I start from a small place when I start. And I then build up. So I might start with a tiny little scene or a, or a character and then build up from there. She often will start with the idea of a world. She builds fantasy worlds and sci-fi worlds. And so whereas I start with a small thing and then build up from that and my world comes out of that, she will start with a whole world and then will come down, 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 down. And what she says, she comes to like, that tiny little moment where everything in that world is about to change. So she starts overall and then comes down to the small. I tend to start from the small and then bring it up to the overall. And either way is totally fine. Whatever this might look like at the beginning for you, Um, what I'm saying is you are okay, whatever the start of this journey looks like. You're on the journey and, and that is the point. You are heading in a direction, and that is the point. Um, so start, don't and whatever like the idea for me of starting with the whole world is pretty overwhelming. Um, and so rather, I start with I start with the small. Start with something small, like like this. There's this beautiful story that Twyla Tharp shares in her book, The Creative Habit. She shares this story about um, this guy Robert Persig, who um, is is teaching rhetoric to colleges in Bozeman, Montana. And this girl, who's a serious girl, this disciplined student, um, but often described as a, as by, a head, by the head teachers as lacking creativity. Um, she, this is this is how Twyla Tharp writes it. She wanted to to write a 500 word essay about the United States. Persig, the teacher, kind of put forth this might be rather broad, <laughs> a little bit too broad. <laughs> Suggested she narrows it down. Just want to just do this town of Bozeman. When the paper came due, she she arrived empty. The student arrived empty handed and upset, explaining she tried, she could just couldn't think of anything to say. Percy next advised she narrows it down further to what about the main street of Bozeman? Again, she comes in without an essay and in distress. And, and this time he says, why don't, you, why don't you narrow it down to the front of one building on the main street of Bozeman, the, the Opera House. Start with the upper left-hand brick of the Opera House. And her eyes then kind of opened a little bit wide and she came into the next class with a puzzled look and hands him a 5,000-word essay <laughs> on the front of the opera house on the main street of Bozeman. And this was her words. I sat in a hamburger stand across the street and I started writing about the first brick and then the second brick. And then by the third brick, it all started to come and I couldn't stop. I love that story. I love that story. Start with the brick, the next brick. That's the the place that we kind of start our creative process from. Just a small something is enough. A small something is enough. Um, Anne Lamott talks about it in her book. It's the title of her book, Bird by Bird. She writes, 30 years ago, my older brother, who was 10 years old at the time, was trying to get a report on birds written that he'd had three months to write, which was due the next day. We were out at our family cabin in Bolinas, and he was at the kitchen table close to tears, surrounded by binder paper and pencils and unopened books on birds, immobilised by the hugeness of the task ahead. Immobilised by the hugeness of the task ahead. And then my father sat down beside him, put his arm around my brother's shoulder and said, bird by bird, buddy. Just take it, bird by bird bird. I don't know if you've heard that story before or if you've read Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott, but it is so very important. Just take it bird by bird. Don't let yourself be overwhelmed by the hugeness of the creative task that is in front of you. Just take it bird by bird. She also, I love Anne Lamont. She is brilliant. She also says this about starting off. But how, my students ask, how do you actually do it? You sit down, I say. You try to sit down at approximately the same time every day. This is how you train your unconscious to kick in for you creatively. Then with your fingers poised on the keyboard, you squint at an image that is forming in your mind, a scene locality, a character, whatever, and you try to quiet your mind so you can hear what the landscape or character has to say above the other voices in your mind. The other voices are banshees and drunken monkeys. (laughs) They are the voices of anxiety, judgment, doom, guilt. Yet somehow in the face of all of this, you clear a space for the writing voice, hacking away at the others with machetes, and you begin to compose sentences. I wish I had a secret. All I know is that if I sit there long enough, something will happen. We sit and we write and we create. We just start bird by bird. writer Stephen Kosh says this, don't try to take control of your idea too early, begin by letting it take control of you. You'll be needing all your capacities for organisation and judgement and mastery soon enough, for now, whatever has stirred inside you, let it gain strength, an image is growing in your mind, a voice keeps nattering in your head, an incident on the street speaks to you, let it become what it's going to be, but do jot it all down. You cannot know a story until it has been told. Stories make themselves known. They reveal themselves even to their tellers. Only by being told, you may ask how on earth you can tell a story before you know it. You do that by letting the emerging story tell itself through you. At first, you must feel your way, letting it be your guide. You may eventually be able to plan the whole scope of the work down to its smallest details, but in the very first phase of its creation, any story must be teased out from the shadows of your imagination and unconscious. It is waiting for you, untold, undefined and latent. It will take shape only when you put it into words. So start putting it into words. It's so beautifully described, that we we do, we tease out from the shadows of our imagination and our unconscious. We go in with our barely shining torches and we find within those shadowy places inside us actually beautiful things are growing. That's how we begin. We allow ourselves to go on that journey, not having to have it right, not having to know what is ahead of us, but just beginning. We sit there and like Anne Lamott said, we write. We sit there and we do the stuff. Some people will say like, well, just I show up and I do, I write 3,000 words a day. Other people might say that they put on a, a, A constriction of they'll do three hours of painting uh, a day, and that's it. At three hours, they put the paintbrush down and they come back to it, and they'll do three hours the next day. So they give themselves a a limit of what to do to say, I have to do either a minimum of whatever, 3,000 words, I have to do that every day, or I have to do a maximum sometimes of three hours of painting, and that's my maximum. Then I stop. Because if I don't, actually, this was what, uh, what Amy Kaufman said last night as well um, as we were chatting was like, if I do, she gives herself, I think hours, she says like, I give myself three hours a day just to, uh, to write. But at three hours, I stop. I stop because what she said is if I continue on, I just, I know that I'm actually stealing those hours from the next day's work or the next day's work, or the next day's work. Like I just get I get so tired that I just, I, I end up stealing those hours because I want to get it done because I want to get fit more into that day. I fit more and then I'm exhausted. Um, who knows? Like you might not be, that may not be the case for you. You might be able to, there's some days where I, I'm a little bit strange I I know I'm very strange but I can sit there and and I can start writing at like if I had a whole day at like 9am in the morning and then suddenly it's like 9pm at night and I have written like literally all day and forgotten to have like lunch and all that kind of stuff that that's kind of me but we all work differently and that's good and that's the point and that's great that's wonderful so bloody wonderful my my dear friend Pip Williams who, who wrote the Dictionary of Lost Words, she was telling me that her practice is not to give herself like that I have to write 3,000 words a day. She shows up every day to the table, to the page, to write and she gives herself a daily word count of one. One, literally one word. When she said that, I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I just write one word. And if I've written one word, I've had a successful day. And I'm like, what? that's going to take you like many, 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 your whole of your life to write the kind of novels that you write. She says, yeah, but when you write one word, then then you can't just write one word. You're going to write a whole sentence. And, and then I write a few sentences and then a few sentences becomes a few pages and, and, and that's how she works. But her, her commitment is one word a day. <laughs> which I kind of like that. Like it took for her, she said she just couldn't do the whole like, I have to write 3,000 words a day or whatever. She was like, not just one. One is enough. And it took enough pressure off her that she could just create then. And that's how her um, her works. If you haven't read, oh gosh, if you haven't read the Dictionary of Lost Words, then you must. Um, I'll get Pip on here sometime to talk about uh, her book and her work because it's really, really beautiful. And so this is the beginning, the beginning of the creative journey that we are on. This is how we begin. We've just been looking at process, but now let's turn over to creative practice. A few quick words from the sponsors. Liz Mullaney says this, Sometimes it's not loneliness that we fear, but of being alone with ourselves. Learning to love yourself and to make a home within your own company turns stark loneliness into peaceful solitude. Just one of the wisdom bombs from Liz Mullaney. If you want to uh, have daily reflections, meditations, devotions on life, on living a holistic life, on learning how to come to that place of peaceful solitude, then check out www.thepracticeco.com and you can download their app to do so. you're someone who's part of the Christian tradition and has always wanted to Uh, to study, to do some some online theology study, you can do that uh, with ACOM, acom acom.edu.au. And you can do it from anywhere because it's totally online. So go and have a look at that for both undergraduate and postgraduate studies. Uh, You can study creativity and spirituality with me. You can study the art of discernment, which sounds really cool. You can study spiritual mentoring, the art and science of formation or just spiritual formation and personal transformation in general. There's so many really great uh, courses. So go and have a look and shoot them an email to say you're interested uh, in their programs. When we're talking creative practice, the the beginning steps, um, of course, it's, it's the same as process in many ways that you start when you start. You can't see in front of you more than a few steps in terms of who you're becoming, of terms of what your creative career is going to become. You've got to take that first step and then the next, and then the next, and the next. You've got to search. You take your torch and you go looking for where your work will bring life to the world. You find that next step forward and you walk it. Now let me say that again. You find your next step forward, and then you walk it. Don't wait, expecting for them to come. Like we, so many of us in in the creative world have this weird fantasy idea that if if we wait, then we're just gonna wait for that break. Like we're just gonna wait to, that thing's gonna go viral. I know that thing's gonna go viral. It's such an unhelpful thing. Or maybe that we'll we'll just we're just got to sit and wait to be wait to be discovered. Like that old school idea that some, I don't know, some talent scout for some um, musical agency is going to be uh, just rock up to your gig one night that you're playing in this small little pub and they're going to be like, who the heck is this? i got to sign them up. Let me, <laughs> let me sign them up right here, right now. But here's the thing, like, Creative success is not a lottery. It's not. It is not waiting for something big to happen to you for your thing to go viral. You've made this one thing and now it's going to go viral. And you put all your eggs in that basket and you wait and you wait and you wait and it just doesn't. It's not a lottery. It's it's more like a a, job, a bloody hard job. Some it's a job. You choose because you love this thing, but then you work hard at it. You work hard at it. You work hard at it. Lucky things will happen. We'll do some more about luck in a few episodes time. Lucky things will happen. But but today we have the ability in today's world to, to work hard, to put our, self, our, our stuff out there Um, And to to take those next steps, to go searching, to go walking, not waiting, but walking, pursuing this creative practice that we want to have. We need to be the ones pursuing it because people aren't going to come to us unless we are walking forward where we will meet the people who come and join us on the way. We're going to talk about that in a bit, but creative success doesn't come through waiting, but through pursuing. Pursuing, going to them, taking your torch and going, looking along those paths to find the people, to find where your thing is going to bring life in this world. Um, Even when this thing in you says, well, who the heck are you to do this? Who the heck are you? Call yourself a poet? You're not a poet. Call yourself a writer. Call yourself a musician. Call yourself a magician. Whatever it might be, when when imposter syndrome hits, let's let's talk about imposter syndrome for a sec. Like you take a step out on this creative journey, on this journey into the unknown world. You've crossed the threshold, you're in the unknown world um, and and everything here feels unfamiliar. Like, Like we said, unfamiliar sounds and unfamiliar smells and unfamiliar bugs and animals and everything's unfamiliar. When things are unfamiliar, you will feel like an imposter because you are one, like you are coming into a new place. So for all those who are doing their thing and that impostor syndrome thing comes up in you, do you know why it's there, that feeling? It's because anyone pioneering into anything new will feel out of place like you don't belong, like you're an imposter. This is not a bad thing. It's showing you that you're pushing into new territory. You've never been here before. You look around and the, and yes, there's all these other talented people doing these things that you're trying to begin to do. And you feel like, I don't deserve to be here. I don't, it's bull, bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on this one. You deserve to be here because you are here creating this new thing, playing with this new idea, you uh, have pursued. You've pursued this beautiful new thing out into unfamiliar territory. Because you pursued it, you deserve to be there. When you feel like an imposter, you know what? Turn that on its head. Be proud. Be proud for your pushing the boundaries of what you think you can do and of what others expect you to do people have seen that... Some people will be honoring you for it and some people will be dissing you for it. But it's time to it's time to tell a different story around imposter syndrome. It truly is. Others are doing amazing things, yes. And you've jumped out the front door and you've declared yourself a, a poet or a painter or a writer or something. People might be starting to listen to you. You're like, why are people listening? What's happening here? They're, people are finding out about you. And you're like, oh, they're just going to realize I'm just a fraud. Like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I don't even know. like I'm, I don't even have like those beautiful creative moments. I just slog away at my creativity. I'm not some beautiful, amazing, crazy, none of this bullshit, bullshit. Friends, what if being an imposter is exactly who you are meant to be when you start anything new? Embrace it. Embrace it. Like, when I started painting at the start of the pandemic and then a year into me just picking up a paintbrush, I put on my first online exhibition. I felt like a bloody imposter, totally. I looked around at my very talented painting friends and I thought, who the heck am I to do this? But you know what? I just did it anyway. I felt like... I have words to say connected to paintings that I have been painting out of a heart place out of this beautiful new expression of mine. And I bring these things together and maybe my paintings could make a difference in someone's life. Maybe someone else will see this thing that I see in these paintings, that as I painted these animals, I was learning about myself and who I am and how I engage in life. And maybe someone else could see that. And so I had this imposter thing coming up in me, but I also, had this idea that there are people out there who needed what I was creating that was the that was what changed things what turned things around and maybe it would for you because there are people who need what you are creating so don't let that imposter syndrome feeling stop you actually use it to go I'm in a I'm in a new place, unfamiliar territory. This is it. I'm doing the right stuff. I'm doing the right stuff. So I did this. This um, I, I put on this online exhibition, feeling like an imposter, and 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 had thousands of people going through it in the first week. And and I sold m- the majority of paintings in that first week. I sold, and it became a a sold out. Um, uh, exhibition. After a few months, it became a sold out exhibition. I made a few thousand dollars from this thing. It was a totally new movement for me. Painting is, yes, I felt like an imposter, but I did it anyway. More than, more than the numbers and the dollars and stuff, I had so many people come up and say, I understand myself more because of what you gave I had many people say they were in tears looking at the artwork, hearing the poetry that came with it. If you want to go check it out, it's still up there, joelmachero.com backslash human. You'll find it. I did it anyway because when I feel like an imposter, I know I'm in the right place. I'm stepping out. I've stepped out. I'm in new territory. And so creative friends, I, I mean, I would take that even a step further and say, if you are not feeling like an imposter, then you're not pushing yourself enough. <laughs> I'd say some very big statements. Maybe I do it. Do I agree with that? I think I agree with that. It's a big statement, I know, but I'm I'm sticking to it, darn it. I think if you're not feeling like an imposter, possibly you're just, you're sitting back in the comfort of the known world, drinking drinking Darjeeling in a, <laughs> in a hammock. I don't know. It's... It's time to get uncomfortable and uncomfortable things are not bad things. Get uncomfortable, feel like an imposter and keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. And gosh, amazing things are going to happen. All right, now I certainly cannot end this episode Uh, without talking about a really key important thing that you heard in the intro uh, that um, sits at as a crucial part of the creative journey. Um, I don't know if you can think back to that starting poetry reflection thing, but how did our hero on this creative journey? How did they move forward from this beginning place? Well, they met someone. They met someone. Who had a compass for them when they'd lost their own way, who shared wisdom with them. Why don't you head in this direction? Who, who told them that their, their torch was enough to find the way? These th- this person they met is is them a mentor, an elder, a someone, and, and I put it within that intro, someone who looked kind of like the person on the journey. They look kind of like you, but they're they're further on. They look a little older, but there's something in them. Should we have the eyes to see, to find them, to allow mentors to come into our lives, uh, and to speak into our process, to speak into our hearts, to speak into our, uh, our creative projects. These are the people who they stir something in us. They help us to see things in a different way. They give us wisdom and, and, and make us, they make us better, better artists, better people. And they are so blood. I cannot emphasize, emphasize, what the heck is emphasis? I cannot, I'm so excited and so emphasizing of them that I can't even say emphasize. They are so, I'm just going to make it a new word. They are so emphasis, they are so, I've just lost it. Emphasate, emphasize, ah, what is this, this thing we speak that is called English? Um, mentors. Sometimes they might be like, there could be a formal kind of mentoring relationship. O- often they're not like they can come in so many different forms. They come in written form in the books we read. Like I remember the first time that I read Bird by Bird uh, by Anne Lamott and was like coming home so so many actually of these mentors that tends to be the feeling like it's like i have left the comfort of home and go, going on this creative journey but there's something about these creative mentors that we meet that feels it is it brings both that sense of comfort uh, i think of that quote like that they uh, that what our creativity should do is to bring comfort to the afflicted and afflict. The comfortable. That's what mentors do. That's what mentors have done in my life. They have brought comfort and a sense of home when I have needed that, and they have brought affliction when I have been too comfortable. They have they have they have spurred me on in the next thing that I am meant to be doing. Uh, and so Anne Lamott, bird by bird, um, helped me. I just I fell in love with writing again with the writing process through her work. Uh, same as I read Khalil um, Gibran the Pro- You've heard my story if you've been listening to uh, The Deep Place about baptizing myself in the fountain of Carlo Duran because his work has been so impactful in my life. Uh, I remember getting Paulo Coelho's book, The Alchemist, as a like 15-year-old teenager, and it, someone gave it to me and it totally, totally changed my life. And I didn't even realize how much in that moment, but I would say that book was like... So crucial in my personal journey of discovering what life is about. Make sure you go and read it if you if you haven't read it. It's a beautiful little fable, um, the poetry of Mary Oliver, um, all the works of John O'Donohue. All like these are the the books that I have read that have significantly changed me. So these are important. This is like me walking, going on my creative journey, and and these books that I pick up. Um, you're hearing a little bit from Colum McCann throughout this deep place podcast series, letters to a young writer, because I've picked this book up recently and I'm I'm just reading and I'm devouring it, but like slowly it's like little morsels of goodness. There's just a few pages each chapter. And I cause I need this stuff. It points me in the right direction and it gives me that wisdom that I need. Mentors and not just not just written form. Obviously, they can come in podcast form um, if you're listening to this podcast, which you are if you're listening. What am I talking about? Of course, you're listening to this podcast because that's what you're doing right now and you're hearing these words. Perhaps this podcast, I know for many people... So it's such an honor that this podcast has become kind of a, a mentor on the creative journey for people. Um, I, I love, one of my favorite podcasts is the Story Gathering podcast, Story Gathering Harris III, a beautiful crew over in Nashville um, who speak into the power of story and creative practice, etc. The The Creative Pep podcast with Andy J. Pizza um, has been really inspiring inspirational for me. I've listened to a lot of that. There's there's been some really beautiful, beautiful podcasts, even for me as I've gone on my on my, I mean, any of my journeys, my spiritual journey, like listening to the Liturgist podcast and to the Rob Bell podcast has been um, things that have just given me what I've needed or from real life people as real life. <laughs> not to say that the writers and and the podcasters are not real life people. They're not imaginary friends of mine, I promise you. Um, but real, real person to person, you know how we have that thing these days now that we're hopefully, as you're listening to hopefully we're still out of COVID lockdowns, et cetera. Um, real life contact with real life people uh, like my friend Dan Nixon, who runs the Melbourne Young Writers Studio, who's taught me so much about the, the craft of writing and screenwriting and putting yourself out there. He's doing beautiful things. And my friend Brooke Shaden, who is like a lighthouse in the fine art photography world. Um, so many people um, that I like, way too many, I cannot go into them now. All these people, without them, without them, I simply would not be able to do what I'm doing. I wouldn't. My mentors, both people who are um, within my, if, if you notice a lot of the books that I said then are obviously writers and poets because they're writing books. Uh, um, but these real life people, not none of those real life people that I mentioned just then uh, are poets. Like there's heaps of poets that are friends of mine who are poets and poet mentors that I've learned so much from. But I wanted to bring in um, and say now those people who they're not part of my artistic, um, my major artistic genre of poetry that I am in, um, they, they are painters and they're photographers and screenwriters and but, but it's bringing in all like their influence and impact on my life, on my creative practice. Um, I cannot tell you the incredible, beautiful thing that it has been and they're not even a poet's. Like we need to be listening to those people that are outside of our genre, and we're not even we're not even Here's the thing, and this is really what I want to get into with this idea of mentors. Um, is we're not even listening just to learn from mentors. As in, of course, we're learning who we are, who we're becoming, they're teaching ACS, but, but something more than that is happening. They're actually, they're shaping our way of being in the world. Well, like We see them and we shape our lives around what we see. They, they become mirrors for us as to who we are and who we are becoming. They become mirrors as to, as to our own creative practice. Our own creative practice. There is, uh, if you think about your, I know, that, um, if we're on this journey, we're beginning this creative journey, and you're trying to work out your own creative voice. Uh, you're trying to work out your own creative distinct identity, and it is a really important point to say here in terms of um, these mentoring relationships, uh, in t- both the the real life in person people that you know, and the books that you read, and the the poetry that I listen to, and the podcasts that I listen to, and the poems that I watch on. YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in, my, in me seeking to discover my own unique identity, the reality is I do not do that uh, as a separated individual person. The only way that I can discover my creative voice and my creative identity is in the midst of other creative voices. Just like, so Eric Erickson is uh, a major famous psychologist Um Uh, who if you do psychology, you'll read about him in the textbooks, et cetera, et cetera. He says that identity, as in, we're not talking create, we're just talking identity, just someone's unique identity, who someone is, their identity. He says, identity formation, is a psychological process reflecting a social process, a psychological process, a self-psychological reflective process that is reflecting a social process. In other words, the people around us show us who we are going to be in life, our our upbringing, our family as we grow up, the people that are around us as uh, friends and school teachers and et cetera in school community. As we come out from that, the people who are around us, they, Distinctly shape our identity. It is not that we become them. Uh, The sad thing is when we when we lose ourselves trying to to prove ourselves to people out there, to school friends, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And so we're we're, we're going on, and this is where the, the self psychological process part of it happens, but it only happens in the context of other people. And I would say it is exactly the same as the creative process, as in the creative process, the creative identity formation process, finding your unique voice. You do not do that as separate from other people in the creative world. So bringing this back into, into creativity, one of the things we, we writers and poets and photographers, we're searching for our style, who we will be on the page, um, what our photos look like, etc. So what I put to you is we come to it the same way that we come to understand our self-identity. It's a a self-process, yes, but it's inextricably linked to a social process. So just as we... Just as we speak the speak of those who taught us to speak, the language, the dialect, the intonation and the jargon, so too we will echo those writers who, by their words and their stories and their turns of phrase, we learnt to love writing from and then we learnt to write. Or those painters who we learnt painting, who we just love their painting style. Those photographers who we have learnt and seen how they compose things, what they do do with light and shadow, how they um, composite and how they design and how they use Illustrator, whatever it is. Um, So so for me, when I first started off uh, my... My writing totally sounded similar to those who first inspired me in the spoken word scene. Um, those those times like Shane Koizan and Anis Mojgani and these beautiful spoken word poets, they drew me into their style, into their voice, and I was absolutely imitating them. I wasn't like stealing, copying from them. I'm not talking here about go and steal someone else's work and claim it as your own, but the only way that I could begin to find My own voice was by listening to their voice. Like, I would be such an average writer and an average poet if I didn't have the influence of others upon me. Uh, If I didn't acknowledge that they were influencing me and actually allow myself to run with that, to not feel like I need to just discover my unique creative identity. By myself, but actually to name, to go searching with my little torchlight, to go searching through the darkness, finding those. Um, those mentors, those people who can give me the wisdom, naming them, not shying away from it, but actually going deeper into their work, saturating myself with it, so that when I'm inspired by someone, when I come across someone in my creative journey, I don't, I'm not like, oh, I better not go, I better not get too much into that person's work, or they might influence my work, and uh, like. No, 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 no. When something is inspiring you, go into it. Go further into it, learn from them, go saturate yourself, saturate yourself with it. T.S. Eliot says true originality comes from someone who has steeped to themselves in the tradition of their art. Did you hear that? Originality comes not from separating ourselves from people and and saying, no, if if I'm influenced by people, it'll never be original. No, 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 no. The poet shouldn't seek to be original by disregarding tradition altogether, but looking for for the ways in which they can alter what has gone before them and create something slightly different and fresh, yes, but be influenced by it. The poet, the, the writer, the painter should not forget about expressing an individual personality. A poet should be plugged into the common shared tradition of poetry rather than thinking they're working alone. A a painter should be plugged into the shared tradition of painting, of whatever style of painting, genre of painting that you're into. A photographer, um, tap into, name the tradition that you're a part of, be a sponge within it, soak up from these writers, these these mentors, these painters, um, and, and name them to start with. Don't shy away from them. Saturate yourself with them. Which brings us to the question, who is influencing you? What writing, what authors, what poets, what painters, what filmmakers, what glass blowers, what musicians, what calligraphy writers, what dot painters, and, and I'm not asking this as a, in fact, why don't you do it as two separate things, just a, here's we're getting down into practicalities again. Why don't you make a list, make a list of these are the people who have been and are influencing me within my tradition. So within your creative tradition. These are the people. So for me, I, a major creative tradition of mine is poetry. Another major creative tradition of mine uh, is fiction writing. So I'd sit there, okay, who, who are the fiction writers that are influencing me? Who are the, but then also step aside from that, make another list. Who are the people of a different creative tradition, um, a different creative genre, a different creative modality, whatever you might say, that are influencing my own creativity? Who are the musicians? Who are the filmmakers? What what are the what are the films that are what are the um who are the glass blowers there's something totally separate who are the illustrators and the animators and the who are these people that when I see their work my own work in my own genre it just blossoms like it it there's something about them that I they may be doing something totally different but just like in the the intro uh, to these episodes I, I could see something of myself in them find those people name those people and do not don't run from the fire that they're sitting around come up and sit beside the fireplace with them and sit at their feet and say teach me get into their stuff grow in your curiosity about them and about their lives learn about their lives and hear about their creative process when when, when you come across some way to tap into learning from another creative, just freaking do it. Just do it. You will grow so much. You will grow so much uh, in your own creative process. Um, I, I rem- remember seeing just the other day um a, oh, a few things actually happened the other day. The other day I was at a conference and a, um, a woman came up to me, 21-year-old, who was like, hey, do you remember me? I'm like, uh, no, because <laughs> I meet a lot of people. She's like, yeah, you probably wouldn't. It was about five years ago. She said, I was 16 years old and I came to this same festival and I met you there and your work changed my life. And now I'm 21 I'm in the city and I'm studying creative writing and this is my life. Oh, She just threw her arms around me and embraced me and said, thank you. Like those moments, those moments. The other day as well, I was at a school and I got a message later on from someone who was hugely inspired by what I was doing or whatever and And so she went and and looked at my start, looked at my poetry online. And actually, I'll read you some of her words. Um, She said this, I was also looking at some of your poems online and they were super inspiring. When I wrote my spoken word poem and presented it, so she was presenting one for school, I just thought to myself, try and channel some Joel (laughs) McKero. And that really happened. She says, thank you for being such an inspiration. How ridiculous would it be? Not like if I read that and was like, oh, how dare she copy my work? No one, no one in the creative world would think like that. Like what an honor that she is imitating me as she begins to find her own voice, as she begins to find her own poetry voice, of course. So try and channel, try and channel some Joel McCarrow and re- <laughs> WWJD. What would Joel do? just putting myself in the place of Jesus, you know, those uh, WWJD bands that I used to wear when I was a teenager to remind myself, what would Jesus do? Just to wear a WWJD band, what would you... No, don't go and wear that and think about me. Who are your own? <laughs> Who are your... Go and wear a WW, insert whatever name uh, of the people that inspire you the most. And as you are creating and as you go on this creative journey, Let them inspire you. Let them inspire you and give you wisdom. As we begin the creative journey, think about any story, any narrative, narrative arc, narrative structure, back to narrative theory. There's always that mentor that gives the person that wisdom that sets them on their journey, that gives them the strength they need for the journey, that reminds them on the journey what they're doing. Find those mentors for you so that you can then find your own unique voice. Make those two lists of people that are inspiring you, etc., at the moment. Also to take this to another level, why don't you grab from your lists Uh, Grab one of their, if they're painters, find one of their paintings that really inspires you. If they're poems, find one of their poems and then use that as inspiration for a creative work that you're going to do right now. Write a poem based on using kind of the style that this favourite poet of yours writes in. Paint a painting using the style in the style of of your favourite painter just to really get this home, to get this down to the ground where the rubber hits the road in your own creative process practice, learn from, imitate the mentors around you. It is so important to find these people in your life. To finish off, we're coming into land, coming into land, a quote from one of the most influential mentors in my life that I never met in this physical world, yet I feel like he has walked beside me again and again and again, that I have sat at the fireplace, around the fire with him in so many different ways through all of his work, through people that I have met that knew him in his life. John O'Donoghue has been the most influential, easily one of the most influential people ever in my life. And I've never got to meet the man. This is what he says. Love allows understanding to dawn. And understanding is precious. Where you are understood, you are at home Understanding nourishes belonging. When you really feel understood, you feel free to release yourself into the trust and shelter of the other person's soul. Your noble friend will not accept pretension, but will gently and firmly confront you with your own blindness. Blindness. Such friendship is creative and it is critical. It is willing to negotiate awkward and uneven territories of contradiction and woundedness. Friends, may you find the kind of people on your journey that that bring you into a place of shelter who, yes, will confront you, will not accept pretension. And as they do so, they will spur you on in your journey. They will also bring healing to your woundedness and they will help you negotiate your contradictions. This, friends, is is where we begin this creative journey. We have stepped out. We have a direction to head in. We have a torch to guide the next step and the next step and the next step. And we have met a mentor, many mentors who teach us the wisdom of where to go. And in the process, we are discovering our own unique creative identity that's what it's about see you next time